Warning, the following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome into this issue 38 of the DC Primetime Podcast. Uh, we hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving holiday as we welcome you back to the show. Short episode this week, short issue this week, uh, as we only have three shows to talk about. But we have an added bonus. We will talk to you a little bit more about the Telltale Batman series as new episodes have launched for that. But I am Ben Beck from the Showcast here on the Next Level Podcast Network. And I am Rob Martin from Cappy Crew Cast to Pause, also on the Next Level Network. Hey, I think we got the new intro down. That works. We did. <laughs> uh, but as I mentioned, I hope everybody had a great and happy Thanksgiving. I know that uh, I did. Uh, Rob, I hope you did as well. I absolutely did. I think I weighed myself before that morning, and by the time I weighed myself when I got back home, I was about another seven pounds heavier. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I've been on a, a good diet of like chicken and veggies and salmon for like the past couple of weeks uh all out the window it's it's yeah, gone that's and gone i think it's probably going to stay gone until after christmas and then i'll jump back on top of it later on oh yeah my exercise regime has slowed in the last couple of weeks mine has so come to I... a halt <laughs> so <laughs> completely i mean between thanksgiving on thursday pizza and wings with you know the uh the girlfriend and her family last night and everything coming up between now and christmas yeah there's no point there's no point in trying yeah it's it, it's it's a futile attempt yeah uh but we apologize too for any um disclusion or not posting on the the facebook page over the past couple of days as we mentioned it is it has been a holiday so we've been a little busy so we do apologize but we'll be right back into uh right back into the swing of things starting this coming week especially considering next week Oh, God, it's invasion, man. I know. It's crazy. I officially start my new job tomorrow, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to be insanely busy. So, <laughs> Yeah, these are episodes I, I have a feeling. It's been a while since I've watched episodes twice just because of how busy I've been lately. Uh, but I have a feeling this is one of those weeks that I'm going to be watching these episodes twice Yeah, yeah. before we start talking about them. Yeah, I think the biggest thing right now for me, I'm still wondering when do I watch it and how do I watch it? Do I just wait until all the episodes are out and then just binge it in one shot? Or if I go night by night? I, I really don't know. I think that's what I'm doing. I think I'm waiting until all three episodes are out. I'm, I'll probably watch Supergirl and when it's on. I'll probably watch Supergirl and Gotham when they're on. And then I'll probably binge through at, uh, Flash, Arrow, and Legends. Just because I, I know when I get to the end of the episode, I'm going to want to know what's happening. So I may just wait and just binge all three of them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's I that may be my game plan as well. So, yeah. So but, and, and who knows what the week holds? I might not even be able to watch them as they happen. So we'll, I may have to binge them. But we shall see. Uh, let's get things moving. Uh, as we mentioned, this is going to be probably a little bit of a shorter issue. I know we've said that in the past before, and it never happens. 
but, you know, only three episodes to talk about as we had Gotham, Supergirl, and The Flash this week. No Arrow and Legends due to the Thanksgiving holiday. Um, but uh, we'll talk a little bit about Batman Telltale series. When, and I know I've played episode three since the last issue of DC Primetime. You've played, I think, three and four. Uh, yeah, I've played episode four this morning right before we uh, start recording. So. Okay. Yeah, I'll be interested to know what your take on it is because I, I see it was there. I have to download it and play it. Uh, I'm sure I will before next week, but we won't even have to talk about it next week. We'll talk about it later. Uh, but let's get into the DC Bullet Points portion where we give each of these uh, shows uh, one of a three-point rating, sidekick, hero, or legend. Starting off first with... Gotham, Season 3, Episode 10. What would you give this one, Sidekick Hero or Legend? Uh, I'm going to go Hero. Uh, I think it, it's, it was a solid episode. There wasn't anything really that stood out as amazing, but there was nothing that was really bad. It was just kind of there. Uh, so. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. I, I give it a, it's, it's a hero, but it's a solid hero. It's nothing, mm-hmm. uh, nothing on the low end. Um, next up, we have Supergirl. Uh, season two, episode seven, sidekick hero or legend? I think I'm going to go legend on this one this week. Uh, I really enjoyed where it went. Uh, there was a couple moments I think uh, that it, it made me a little mentally confused in a couple moments, especially with uh, uh, you know John Jones uh, and uh, Hank Henshaw being in the show together. <laughs> and you're like, wait a second, which one am I looking at? Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> but beyond that, I really loved what they did. Yeah. Uh, legend as well for me on this one too. Uh, here is where I think there's going to be a little contention. All right, I want to get yours first on this one because I have, I think, mine very solidified. Okay. Uh, I've been reading reviews and I know people loved it, but The Flash, season three, episode seven. I'm going hero. I'm not going legend. I, I wanted to. I wanted to very, very badly. But there is one thing in this episode that disappointed me significantly. Me too. And I also went hero. And okay. I guarantee your thoughts on that is Julian Dorn. Yes. Or, uh, Julian, or, Albert. or Julian Albert. Sorry, not Dorn. Um, yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that when we get to it. But, man, the big reveal at the end of the episode, it was a letdown. It was a real letdown. Yeah. So, all right, good. So we're, we're actually on the same page for that one. Uh, all right, let's jump into the Secret Origins portion and jump back to Gotham Season 3, Episode 10, Mad City Time Bomb. A threat to Lee and Mario is exposed on the eve of their rehearsal dinner, and Falcone comes to Jim for help. Meanwhile, Enigma plans his revenge, and Bruce learns more about the Court of Owls. So, a couple different storylines tying through this episode. Obviously, we see uh, the Falcone of old return, which I actually loved. Um... You know, and, and with the the storyline of Gordon and uh, Mario working together, uh, with a little bit of a twist for Mario at the end of the episode as well. Yeah, uh, which kind of felt like it came out of nowhere. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, we got to see personally. I think what was my favorite part of the episode was the Nigma uh, Butch Tabitha storyline happening. Uh, yeah, completely agree. I still think that was the best part of it too. And it was a tur- it was a return for Drew Powell back to the show. Mm-hmm. This was the first episode he, uh, as we had mentioned a couple weeks ago, he had shoulder uh, shoulder surgery, so he had left the show for a couple weeks. Uh, but this was his uh, his return to the show. We're going to see him now for the uh, for the next couple weeks, especially considering we got a lot more of Barbara Keen this week. 
Yeah, uh, no big standout moments, but I, I think she every time she was in the scene, she kind of commanded your attention. Yeah, uh, and then of course we we get more of um, Ivy, Bruce, and Selena, and a little bit more reveal of the Court of Owls. It looks like they're leaning more and more towards that's what's going to be the second half of this season. So now they're trying to give us. Uh, a little bit of closure on everything else and a little bit of hints towards that, I think, because next week is the mid-season finale of Gotham. Yeah, that's correct. So we're going to have a couple more weeks of all the other shows, uh, but uh, next week will be the last we will be talking about Gotham until 2017. So what were some of the other highlights uh, of this episode for you? Uh, I, I got to say, I really loved seeing Falcone back in the mix. I think one of the things that I've brought up a couple times since this season's begun is really missing the mob kind of stuff that's kind of been in the background. And it seems like we're going to get a lot more of that again, which I think only helps the show. Um, I think that's the one thing that's happening right now is we're seeing very few plot lines in comparison to the previous seasons. Where we were bouncing around through a lot of characters. And since so many people are now tied together, uh, you're seeing, I think, you know, small, smaller groups of stories happening together, but none of them are all that interesting. And I think what made Gotham great was when you were bouncing around between five or six characters and you were getting these little vignettes per episode. It's like, okay, we're going to go over to Enigma. Now we're going to go to Penguin. Now we're going to go to Bruce and Alfred. Now we're going to go to Selena and then her connection back and then the GCPD storylines and all this stuff. And now it's we're really looking at three storylines and that kind of feels like it. And I think that's causing the show to feel a little slower than it used to. Um, I think it's still good. I think it's just, it definitely has a slower vibe and having the mob stuff come back into play and having Falcone be in the mix. And now we're figuring out where he ties in with the court of owls. And then we'll have the GCPD stuff again. And, you know, I think it's going to make the show work a lot better. Yeah. And, and, you know, like you said, it's, it was good seeing Falcone back in the mix again, but, you know, as I mentioned, we've seen Falcone for the past couple episodes, for the past couple weeks, and he's been almost more fatherly than Mob Boss, which is understandable when you look at the situation. You look at Mario and um, Mario and Lee's wedding coming up, so that that's what you expect. But this episode, we got back to the more ruthless and powerful uh, Falcone, which is what I liked. I mean, we got back to the mob feel of the episodes, you know, with the car exploding and everything else. So I was I was really digging it. Uh, from the beginning, but I, like you mentioned, I'm I'm very interested to see where they're going to go with what his part in the Court of Owls really is. Yeah, and I think that I, I I'm really looking forward to seeing how that does tie together because I think that's going to make this a lot more interesting, especially you now with uh, Mario being infected with uh, you know Alice's virus. Um, how that's going to play out, and I think we're going to see that mob mentality come back to to Carmine in a really big bad way. Yeah, and yeah, and again, like we can mention that now because it's it's part of the same storyline. It's tying into everything, but you know, it kind of threw me a little bit when we saw Mario infected at the end of the episode, and I'm curious now what they're going to do with it because I think next week's episode, again, the mid season finale, I think is an outbreak of this virus. Yeah, and then the question is, how is it getting out there? How did Mario pick up the virus? Like I said, we both said it kind of felt like it came out of like thin air it's like how is this now happening um so i'm really curious to see how that plays out um and and my guess is they could easily just say hey you know he was the person working on her when she came in um from uh you know when they're doing their initial examination after she died 
that's an easy way to get away with that. But I hope they don't just kind of brush it under the rug. And I'm maybe wondering is, did they find a way to start making this virus airborne in some way, shape or form where we're going to get this full blown outbreak? Yeah, because we don't know. I mean, it, it could be Mario is infected by whatever else is infecting the rest of the city. Mario could be the carrier that infects the rest of the city somehow. So we don't know where they're going to go with it. But I'm kind of knowing that next week is the midseason finale and that they're going to be changing pace of the show going into the second half. They're going to be changing it to I don't think they were revealed what the subplot or the subtopic of the show is like this one is Mad City. Uh, I don't think they've revealed what the second half of the season is going to be. Right. Um, and I mean, like I said, we did see, you know, obviously it's going to be very Cordoba centric. You know, that's coming. Um, you know, we saw uh, another group kind of step up that's trying to stop the court, uh, which we were introduced to them. And then they were quickly dispatched before the episode was over. Um, so we didn't have a lot to go on on who they were. It was an interesting little twist that Bruce was now tied back into looking into them through this this avenue. But uh, again, this just felt like a vehicle for to force Bruce back into the mix with the Court of Owls. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, <clears throat> I will say, however, though, I'm I'm excited that we're finally wrapping up this whole Tetch uh, blood infection storyline next week. At least I hope they're wrapping it up next week. Like, let's let's do this outbreak. Let's find a cure by the end of the episode to save everybody, and that's the end of it. Yeah, I, I think that's going to be fine. And one thing I got to really say for this episode that was nice is seeing Bullock nail back uh, back into uh, the fold as being somebody they, that's got a bigger presence on the show again, kind of being new, like, you know, being the acting captain, uh, which I'm happy that they went that direction instead of thrusting Gordon into that role after just coming back to the force. It would have felt a little weird. So I'm happy that they did handle it in that direction. Yeah, I'm, I was. Uh, that was something I wanted to bring up too, and I completely forgot. So I'm glad you did. Uh, I was very excited about that too. I love, uh, you know, I love Harvey. So it's it's good seeing him in a leadership role because it's a very. What I love about that is it's that it's a reluctant leadership. You know, he it's a it's a position that suits him. It's a position he's good at, but you can tell when he does the job, he doesn't want it. Yeah. You know, he doesn't want that added responsibility already. And and that's one of the things that I love about Harvey and that character is that he plays that reluctancy so well. So I, I was very excited to see that, too. Uh, obviously, the other thing we have to talk about is, as we mentioned, the return of Butch and the whole ordeal with Butch, Tabitha, and Nigma, with the underlying of Barbara trying to find out where Tabitha and Butch are. Right. And, you know, the big reveal that she figures it out on her own that Penguin is the one who's really responsible for Isabella's death, and, not Butch. And also the fact that she now knows that Penguin's got a thing for Nigma. So, yes. so it, it's Barbara being very intelligent in the background of all this stuff and putting the pieces together herself, which is funny because it seems like. Sometimes she's smarter than even Gordon, who's supposed to be this amazing detective. <laughs> um, so, but I mean, I, I did like how it played out. I think the sequences with Nigma, you know, trying to torture Tabitha and Butch, uh, w- they were definitely the highlights of the episode. We got a lot of good stuff out of the three of them. Um, but I'm kind of disappointed because of how intelligent Nigma is that he's going in the wrong direction. He was, he was he was more driven by emotion than intelligence right. in in this time around, and yeah, I, I agree with that as well. And it's one of these things that's it's 
it's it's definitely a break away from his character because he is extremely intelligent. So for him to go off emotion, which you can understand it looking at the situation, you know, that he was in love with Isabella and Isabella's gone. I think that would happen to anybody more than that they would be driven by emotion more than anything else. But in in relation to the show, this is something that's going to end up um doing more damage than good because now He's going to be get, we know they're going to set it up that he's going to be against the penguin soon because now it's been revealed. Barbara has it. Barbara's going to hold it over his head. So whether he's fate, he's going to be up against he's now made enemies in either the penguin or Butch Tabitha and Barbara. Yeah. And I think we're going to see that that'll play out, I think, big time uh, this coming week. I think we're going to see that because, like I said, talking midseason finale here, um, this is, I think we're going to see the split between Penguin and Ed by the end of this coming episode uh, before they go into break. I think that's going to be a big part where you're going to now see him really start transitioning to the classic Riddler and the villains now all being everyone for themselves, um, I think is going to be a big, big point coming up soon. So I think we're going to be now following those three plot lines very separately. And I yeah. think that's a good thing for the show. I really do. I do as too. much as I love the interaction with Ed and Penguin. Uh, where they went with it this season, while it was fine, it's not what I wanted. I loved seeing them plotting together, uh, but when they turned it into a love story, I'm like, that's not what I wanted from these characters. It's not what made these characters fun. Um, so I'm looking to see, uh, looking forward to seeing how they take it. Yeah. Uh, the only other thing I can think of for this episode that I kind of sort of to start to realize this week is that I was very excited a couple weeks ago when they went into the Oswald for Mayor storyline. But I feel like it's almost been kind of wasted. They haven't done much with it since he's won. All it's yeah. really done is put him in a position of power in Gotham that they really haven't used. Yeah, it was. It felt like something like, you know what, if they just had him stay in charge of the gangs, which they kind of went back to that this week, where you saw him pull together the crime families. And uh, I'm like, well, was the mayor stuff really necessary um, if they were just going to do this? I'd rather see him kind of just run the city very corruptly and just focus on that point instead of him dropping back to the mob mentality, um, which I think they could have – that should have been the switch when we saw that scene is him working with his so-called cabinet on how they could kind of squeeze the city uh, as mayor versus him kind of trying to run the underworld. Yeah. So it was a little weird. Uh, but, yeah, it feels like that entire plot line has been dropped. Yeah, yeah. So um, I was a little disappointed in that, especially because I kind of called it. So I was excited to see they were, where they were going to go with it, but they kind of didn't go anywhere with it. So I um, think we're good to move on. Uh, yeah, I mean, the one thing I got to say, at least in the end of it, is uh, Tabitha losing her hand uh, was uh, you saw it coming before the end of it. And I was just kind of like, you know, this is definitely more than likely going to be the case, but. You know, they, they show putting the handle nice and hopefully being able to reattach it, but it's a big kind of wait and see. Uh, but, yeah, I, I thought that was um, the extreme of it all was uh, I thought that was a really good point. But also, aside from that, seeing the Talons in action again from the court and actually making them feel like a massive threat. Um, and I think they did succeed in that. So I think the Talons are going to be a part of this that will be a. Uh, Really fun to watch how the whole thing with the court's going to go. I think it's going to force, you know, Bruce to tread very lightly. Maybe you'll start seeing him focus on, you know, the ability to be a little bit more stealthy about his actions. So I think maybe we're going to see a little bit more of that involvement and the detective work kind of being a big part of his story in the second half of the season. 
Yeah, yeah, I could see that as well. Um, yeah, because I mean, they didn't really they teased the Court of Owls, but other than the the reveal of the key, um, and the fact that obviously Falcone is a part of the Court of Owls in one way or another, some form or another, they didn't really give you a lot. This yeah, week. but I kind of uh, like that. I like the mystery of it. Yeah, and I, I think it's the first time they actually stated the Court of Owls. So yeah, exactly. Uh, so let's move on to Supergirl season two, episode seven, titled "The Darkest Place." Supergirl comes to face to f- comes face to face with Cyborg Superman when she attempts to save Mon El from Cadmus. A uh, lot of great things out of this episode, at least you know that I feel happened. I can tell you right now, the episode starting off with Cyborg Superman was a great start uh, to the episode, especially later on in the episode. This, again, is just me being a massive Superman fan and the giddiness that I felt the moment you saw the cyborg underneath. Yeah, I think not even just that, but we also got the unexpected return of Dean Cain this week as well uh, as Jeremiah Danvers. So I I thought that was really awesome that we had both of them in this episode, Cyborg Superman and that. And that whole thing kind of played out in a way where it made you start questioning a few things like – you're still wondering where Jeremiah stands. Is he really on the up and up? Because it looks like he's been actively working with Cadmus for 15 years, not really there as a prisoner. So it makes you really wonder where everything's going to go with that. Okay. So. While we're on this note, and, you know, we're, we're jumping towards the end of the episode here, but that's all right. Because um, we haven't really stuck to structure lately anyway. Um, theories on Jeremiah. Who is Jeremiah now? Do we think he's still human? Because my question is, he helps Monel and Kara escape, but almost instantaneously afterwards, soldiers come down the stairs and he is gone. Where yeah. did he go that quickly? My he- my my guess is if Cadmus is really as you know, I mean, we we saw it in the Metallo episode when there was somebody that questioned what Cadmus's uh, motives were, especially with the idea of creating Metallo. We saw a second Metallo created, and I'm wondering if that's this is the catalyst of them turning Jeremiah into Cyborg Superman, which I think um, I think Shad actually was the one that said it on the Facebook page that uh, that was going to be the case is like we had to. I don't I would not be I wouldn't put it past the show to create a second one. And I think that's the case. I think they're going to find him out. And that's kind of you know, the retribution that they put on him for letting them go. Well, I had two, I had two trains of thought for this. I actually had, um, uh, the same thought that Jeremiah could be a second cyborg Superman. But my other thought, um, was eradicator. Hmm. Um, in that, you know, we're getting the multiple versions of Superman. Uh, eradicator was more clonish than cyborg. Uh, but did have evil tendencies. So, and again, was another Superman. So, uh, that was another thought of mine: was that Dean Kane could possibly not be Cyborg Superman, but could be, in fact, a form of the Eradicator. That's actually a good call. They could go in that direction. I mean, that's that's a very massive possibility. I mean, Cadmus being the the cause and the creation of these characters, I think, works really well. Um, I really like David Harewood as playing Cyborg Superman. It worked. The only thing I thought that was weird about it is when he actually referred to himself as Cyborg Superman. Yeah, I thought that was kind of awkward, too. I, uh, I think that was the only moment that felt that way. I think they they just step, step with the the whole just staying with Hank Henshaw. But the fact that 
they, he said, you know, Hank Henshaw doesn't uh, exist anymore. Uh, and that was that line. I'm the cyborg Superman. Um, if they just kept, if he did, they just said, um, you know, cyborg. But then again, that, you know, causes confusion because of the actual character cyborg that's part of Teen Titans. So I kind of understand why they said it the way they did. But you're kind of like, all right, well, just maybe just stick with Hank. Um, but again, I think that causes too much confusion as well because the John Jones is also called Hank occasionally. So like you even see the characters joke about that, like Hank, I mean, John or, you know, the Martian, whatever. <laughs> so well, I, I think that does play off. Okay. I think it's fine. I think it just feels weird because when you think cyborg Superman, you think somebody that looks like Superman. So, well, I mean, if you go back to the comic books too, cyborg Superman got the name cyborg Superman because obviously he is a cyborg, but in the beginning he did attempt to be another Superman. Right. So, it, you know, that's how he got the name Cyborg Superman. To just randomly call yourself Cyborg Superman when you are pure evil, evil, um, I don't think fits that well. I think this right. would have been something that had he said, you know, Hank Henshaw is dead, I'm something else. And then the name was given to him by Kara or the DEO or something. I think it would have fit better. Yeah, that's kind of almost like one of those you need that, like that win or Cisco-y kind of moment of – yeah. They're like, yeah, they're kind of like some cyborg Superman and them making a joke about that name. And it's like, what? I, I you know, what do you, what, what would you call him? <laughs> you know, like something along those lines instead of the villain saying who he is. I think that's that's the only thing I got to I'll ping this episode a little bit for. But I think he did a great job. and I loved her immediately, you know, like he envisioning his face and seeing that underneath. But, um, yeah, I really want to see where this plays out, especially how the episode ends. I loved what they did there. That's just like, holy crap, this could be awesome. Uh, and which we might as well get into because we're tying up the story threads. But the fact that he gets Kara's blood after they uh, have her solar flare, which when they said they were going to do that, <laughs> I'm like, that's awesome. Uh, if you've read like newer Superman stuff, uh, when Superman had, found out he had a power to release all of his heat vision in one shot, it did turn him human for several days. Uh, while his powers regenerated. So the fact that she even said, you know, you want me to solar flare. Uh, and instead, they instead of having her solar flare, they just had her use her heat vision and drain out the radiation um, from her. Uh, so because solar flare means massive, big, giant boom, which would have taken out all of Cadmus Labs and probably would have killed Monel in the process. So but this is also the first time we found out that the the real weakness of the Daxamites and the fact that they finally got to that point of uh, lead, lead With being the lead, their, yeah lead being what takes down a daxamite uh, not kryptonite so uh it was cool to see that play out too i mean there was a lot of great little moments in this episode that i absolutely adored and that well, see, whole plotline was awesome when you said we were gonna let's jump to the end mm-hmm. um you know and we see hank henshaw Cy- cyborg superman in the fortress of solitude at the end using Ka- actually using kara's blood to unlock the everything in in pro- in um in, in the Fortress of Solitude, we do get a glimpse of Project Medusa. Yes. Which I'm not familiar with. I don't know if you are. It does not ring a bell. Um, I'm wondering if this is going to be like Project Myriad, where like it's something, it's just maybe uh, contingency plans that the Kryptonians had in place. Um, so maybe this is something they're kind of doing something similar to what last season was going to be like, where there was another large project scale that they're dealing with. And I'm kind of I'm actually I will say this because I like the villains so much more than I did last season. I want to see this play out. It's not kind of like I hope Myriad some like be all end all thing that's going to just be great because they need it right now. 
Like the characters are great, but you know, I think you and me both agreed. Season one, the overarching plot of what they're attempting to stop kind of felt like, eh, whatever. Uh, but the characters and the journey was the fun part. And this yes. season, the characters, the journey, and the villains are the fun part. It's a good, cohesive show that's working. Yeah. And I, I will say, too, that uh, going back real quick to my whole theory that Dean King could possibly be Eradicator, just imagine a massive finale of Supergirl and Superman just a, a massive a battle of Superman, Supergirl, Eradicator, and Cyborg Superman, all in in some form or another, in some massive battle. Yes, please. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but I do want to say, too, going back to everything with Cyborg Superman and and even jumping into the whole white Martian blood that he is now going through. Man, David Harwood, this was a phenomenal episode for him. Multiple roles. I mean, he's playing Hank Henshaw, you know, the the loving Hank Henshaw that we know, or John Jones that we know. But now we're seeing him transition into. Obviously, there's something going on. The, we're finding out that the White Martian blood that is in him is is turning him into a White Martian, and he's going through a lot of changes. He's shaking. He's seeing hallucinations of his family, and he's becoming more aggressive. So you throw that on top of also playing Hank Henshaw's aka cyborg superman three different roles he played them all phenomenally this was a power this was a great episode for him oh yeah i absolutely agree he was easily the standout of this week um really really enjoyed it and uh i'm really looking forward to seeing where they go with this storyline and how they're going to make it work but um i think it's going to play out in a really fun way i'm sure ultimately they'll find a way to stop the virus from taking over and uh but i think this will be him and magan being able to finally put their differences aside and I think it's a cool way to do it. It's a really unique way to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that, too. Uh, two other things, obviously, that I can think of that we want to bring up. Uh, I want to jump into the whole Alex and Maggie thing. Uh, I'm loving that they're still handling that very well. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, I, I want to go into uh, Guardian. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I really want to hear your take on what they did with Guardian this week. Because I'm... we did find uh, Wynn kind of having to come come forward to uh, Alex after threaten, being threatened with her pinky. So. Yeah, yeah. Win would be horrible under interrogate, interrogation. <laughs> yeah. Don't ask him anything, because obviously you, he just gets show, showed a pinky, and he's... Or, or was it pinky or index finger? I think it, it was in, her index her, finger. Her index finger, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, he's already given up to Alex that James is indeed Guardian. Uh, but I actually, I really enjoyed it, and I, again, I know I said weeks ago I was skeptical because I'm a big Guardian fan, and I didn't know how I felt about James being Guardian. I'm actually enjoying it. I, I'm I'm loving the use of the shield. I think the fight scenes have been fantastic uh, with him, and I'm I'm liking now that at least somebody other than Wynn knows who Guardian is which means he now has an ally in the DEO. Yeah. Do you think that we're going to see mid-season finale that reveal is going to happen? You know what? In all honesty, I kind of hope it doesn't. Okay. I, I like this dynamic of Alex being the one that knows and not Kara. Um, you know, because I think Alex has more swing in the DEO, but, uh, you know, she's also has ties to Maggie, which we saw because she got Maggie to bag off, back off a of Guardian this time around. I kind of hope this plays off a little longer in that because I want to see I want to see James develop more as Guardian 
before it's revealed that he is Guardian. Uh, I want to see that when the time comes and he is revealed as Guardian, that everybody at this point trusts him now. Mm. You know, they, they, they trust in Guardian. Yeah. Uh, you know, they know he's an ally. They trust him when he shows up. Uh, he's part of the team, even though they don't know who he is. Um, because I think if you if you reveal it too soon, you have the contention that they don't trust him yet and that James is Guardian. But, you know, now you have if you wait until longer when they trust him they know they can trust him and then you reveal it's james now you're kind of taking a back step and you can develop this story further that okay maybe now there's a little we trust him but we still shouldn't be working with him because james should not be guardian right so that's that's my take on it yeah i mean i i, I gotta say i yeah you you said it the best right now uh with the action scenes it really feels like they took a page out of arrow uh the action scenes were the best i think i've ever seen on this show i mean it was a small sequence but it looked fantastic it played out well uh really nice camera movement on it um and it it, it was well choreographed and i think they're making that work incredibly well i think the little villain that they threw in there for him that was kind of his foil that was trying to set the guardian up to look like you know a murderer uh was whatever but i mean it was a good building uh, it was a better building, I think, to see and show that the Guardian is kind of going to be this heroic character. But it also showed that uh, Wynn and James, just their ability to work together in this this uh, this arena has been fun. It's It's been a cool little tweak to their friendship, and it's making them more enjoyable to watch on screen. It's giving them something extra to do that doesn't feel like it's just being wedged in, just to wedge it in. Um, and I was really, you know, very skeptical when they said they were going to do this. And when I read those synopsis down the road, I'm like, I don't like this idea at all. And, yeah. uh, you know, it, it's working. It's actually really working for me. And I know there's a lot of people out there that do not like it. But I'm like, Christ, James Olsen in the comics has been a hero, granted, because he's gotten, you know, it feels like 20 or 30 different weird power sets and has been in a actual super at some point in time. Um but I think it's kind of cool that this show is like, well, they've done that in the past in books, but instead of giving him actual powers, let's make him let's actually make him just kind of that vigilante esque hero. Which brings up another great point of I love the idea when they're actually talking about the Guardian being a vigilante. Car making the comment is like, well, my cousin used to work with a vigilante. He had yes. a lot of gadgets. Uh, I'm so glad you brought that up. A lot of demons. Uh, <laughs> And I'm like, that's fantastic. That no, that first nod to Batman, like real, real nod. We've heard Gotham, but this kind of like the first real nod to Batman we've gotten. Yet, I'm so, so glad you brought that up because I knew I wanted to and I completely forgot until you just said it. But yeah, I love the fact that they threw that in there, though. Like it, it's it's that whole questioning of vigilantes with Superman and Neil Supergirl. I think this is and, a cool way to do it and tie those things and ideas together. And I'm calling it right now. That is also my line of the week. Mine is from Supergirl, but not that line. Okay. <laughs> um, I will say this, and this maybe this is just the science nerd in me coming out. Uh, but one thing I thought about, and it's it's so ridiculously like it doesn't affect my thought on the show at all, is Win has to be a tactical genius to make a suit out of lead, but also be bulletproof mm-hmm. because lead is an extremely soft metal. Um, it is not bulletproof to say, to say the <laughs> least. So he had to have weaved some kind of Kevlar in there too. I don't know, but for him to make a suit that Kara can't see through because it's lead, but also is bulletproof. He's a genius. Yes. 
So again, doesn't affect my thoughts on the show. I'm I'm really enjoying what they're doing with Guardian. I just that made me laugh when I kind of realized that I was like, wait a minute, he's bulletproof and his suit's made of lead. That doesn't work. Yeah, but, you know, it is what it is. And I gotta say, right off the bat too, I'm really enjoying Brenda Strong uh, as Lillian Luther. I, I think she is proving to be a fun villain so far. I mean, we're not getting a lot out of her yet, and I still love that they like brought up to the that whole question as of does Lena know what you're doing? And it's not touched upon. Um, so it still leaves that question if where if Lean is on the up and up or not. So um, they're leaving enough stuff in the air and not giving you too many answers. They're giving you a lot of questions, but the questions have been solid. So, yeah, I'm really digging it. Really loved it. Yeah, yeah. Same with me as well. Uh, are you going to reveal your line of the week now or are you going to wait till the end? Um, you know, I'll say it now. Um, mine was the uh, the very beginning of the episode when they're in the bar and they're all eating food and when being like man say what you will about some aliens but man they can make awesome chicken wings and card is looking at him is like how do you know that chicken? <laughs> that's right that was easily my line of the week that had me cracking up yeah especially i think it was more wins reaction <laughs> yeah. afterwards that that really did it for me too yeah so so uh cool so let's move on then to the flash season three episode seven killer frost the team is in for a shock as caitlin is forced to reveal her killer frost powers but she is not the only one with a secret i will say this while we did say that this got a hero and it was mainly for one big disappointment of the episode everything leading up to that ending was legend Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I'll put it this way. Anything that didn't involve the seasoned villains was phenomenal. Um, I I mean, it was the how well everything was acted, the emotion that was portrayed on screen. Just watching the team really shaken to its core. Uh, and I, you, every, I don't know if you agree, but Daniel Panaker was easily the highlight of this episode. She I don't, was phenomenal. I don't, I don't know. Um, I, I agree with that. I think she was absolutely phenomenal. But... I think Carlos Valdez. Oh, he's. I mean, he's, was just as phenomenal because oh, we yeah. got more of the whole Dante storyline, and I'm glad that they dove back into that because obviously that was something that's been lingering for a while. Um, but man, like the emotion that came out of him too, like I, like when he said honestly this time, like I don't know if I can forgive you, you know, to Barry. I think between him and Danielle Panabaker, man, they they were the standouts of this episode. Oh, hands by down. far, they both they both gave amazing performances. But so did Kavanaugh. Uh, there was a that beautiful scene where they're him uh, him and Joe uh, HR and Joe are hanging out, and they're kind of you know keeping tabs on the situation that's happening with uh, trying to track down Killer Frost. And uh, there's that great line: "Is like, do you want to know what Barry's real power is? His best superpower is hope." He, the, uh, his unending reserve of hope. And I love the way that he brought that up because it was, and even it's, it's a great nod to, I mean, Barry was a blue lantern for a while. They're, they thrive on their power of being hope. It's so, I mean, it's so true. And I love the fact that HR has only been around the short period of time, but we're already starting to see this deeper side to him, not just the goofy part of his character, but you're, they're starting to evolve him as well. But that was such a great scene. It worked phenomenally uh the tr- and, this is this is the trust your gut yeah trust my gut scene it's like yeah what does your gut yeah. say yeah um all, all those moments that you got from the cast this week we got a lot of really great moments uh i mean this whole episode i think was phenomenal uh again with the one thing that we saw coming a mile away and hoped wasn't gonna happen uh, um 
Yeah, I guess we can just jump right into that. Um, you know, we've been talking about that for a couple of weeks that we were we enjoyed seeing the development and the relationship between Julian and Barry to the point where we were kind of hoping that he was not um, alchemy. And we kind of talked about that. We, we kind of hoped that he wasn't alchemy because it would play off better because it's too predictable that Julian was alchemy. Like it was something that we had called back in episode one of this season. You know, when we got when we met Julian and then we met Alchemy, it's like, okay, well, Julian might be Alchemy. Well, we like, didn't even see Julian in episode one when they cast Tom Felton. Right. Everybody was like, ah, he's going to be the villain. Yeah. I mean, um, I mean, by the time we met him in episode two, you knew absolutely knew. I mean, I still think there's a little part of me that chuckled. and I'm like, you know, Tom Felton, who was Draco Malfoy, has the Philosopher's Stone slash Sorcerer's Stone, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and I'm like, and I was like, oh, that's kind of funny. But at the same time, I'm like, come on, guys. Like, you guys write such great characters. But that's the one thing they constantly, I think, fail at. Every time your gut says this person is the villain, they lead you in a direction. And, like, it even happened in season one where, like, um, I think it's Harrison Wells. And they lead you in the wrong direction just for a tiny little bit. And they're like, it's Harrison Wells. I'll be like, ah, you smack yourself in the forehead. And, like, I knew that. I knew that. And then last season when with Jay, when they did everything with that, I'm like, he, as soon as they said Hunter's Zolom, I'm like, oh, Jay's a bad guy. I'm like, damn it, again, they're going to do this again. And this time yeah. when we saw Julian, I'm like, he's going to be Alchemy. And it's, they're smarter writers than this. I know they are. They've done better things. And I'm really getting disappointed with them as far as the way they're handling some of their villain stuff. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think it's... I mean, I, I'm already not thrilled with Savitar. Yeah, and, and we saw a lot more of him this episode, and I still don't know why I should care about him yet. I, yeah, I'm I'm the same way. Like, I'm I'm wondering because we know that he's not fully corporeal yet, which is probably explains the reason why Barry can see him, but nobody else can. Right. Uh, you know, because it's revealed at the end of the episode that when he goes to Julian and gets Julian to break out the alchemy mask again. He says, I need your help so that I can be whole again. So we know that he's not complete. Um, you know, which again is more, you know, meta Metatron ish transformer ish Megatron uh, Megatron. Yeah. What did I say? Metatron. <laughs> Metatron. Oh yeah. Metatron was, uh, an angel in dogma. Um, <laughs> Relation to Kevin Smith. There we go. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I tied it back back to another Kevin Smith movie. Yep. So yeah, he still he still reminds me. I don't know who it was, but somebody posted on the Facebook page uh, a Megatron line about like "Give me the cube, boy" or something (laughs) like that. (laughs) Yeah. Which which definitely made me laugh because that's what it is. It's. I feel like it was almost to do the big reveal. And I understand why they did it this week because next week we have Invasion and then there's one more week afterwards bef- that will be the mid-season finale. So – or is there two? Um, I, I, um, I, I, and I think they have one more episode after the finale or after the crossover. Uh, that's their mid-season break episode. But I, uh, one yeah. of the things that's still really odd to me, and I don't know if you looked at this too, but even if you go on IMDb, I mean like we know how many episodes these shows have. That midseason break is happening damn early in this the run of these shows this year. Yeah, I think it's only what episode nine. Yeah, I is mean the midseason finale. So we have more than half of the season still left to go. So I'm really wondering how this is going to play off, and I'm wondering now if there really is something bigger still. 
So I, I, you know what? I think there is, and I kind of, I really hope there is, um, because I don't think I'm wondering if there is an actual the CGI to do. Uh, to do Savitar every episode is going to be expensive, especially knowing that we're going to have a Gorilla City again that we're going to see. And, you know, we've got uh, everything with the, with this crossover happening. So they would have to spend a lot of money. I'm almost wondering if once Savitar is a whole again, I feel weird saying that, um, is there going to be human form behind it? I think so. I think that what we're going to do is I think – we're going to see the kind of CG Savitar until he is kind of brought back to this plane or on this on their Earth. And then I think we might see the traditional Savitar design. I think that's what's going to happen, uh, which I think would be a smart move because I know a lot of people have spoken out very heavily on despising the design of the character. Yeah. I think it was funny, even IGN's review when they were trying to say, you know, and we saw Mega and then it was like, dot, 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 I mean, Savitar. Like, yeah. they even did that in the written review. I mean, everybody is calling attention to this. It's not just us, the people that are commenting on Facebook. Um, like, big, huge news sources are constantly bringing this up and saying this is exactly how it looks. And you can guarantee there's the writers and the designers over on that show are paying attention. Um, yeah. And I, I think the reason we saw, like, the unmasking of Julian so early on is because he's not going to be a big part of this for very long. I really don't think. Because like, there was a lot of reluctance by, behind him having to do this. It seemed like he was very much forced to be Alchemy. Um, and I'm wondering why. And I think that's going to play out. I don't think he's going to be this big villain that we maybe anticipate right now. I think this is something he's being forced to do. And that sympathetic version of Julian we saw a couple episodes back is really is who that character is. And it's just something he has to do for unknown reasons. Yeah, I, I, I hope that's the case. But getting back to the point I was trying to make earlier in that I feel like focusing on Savitar in the beginning of the episode and then again with the reveal of Julian as alchemy towards the end, with such a phenomenal job that Kevin did, with Kevin Smith did on the, the directing of his episode last season, I feel like it was almost a detriment to this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, if this would have just been a focus of purely Caitlyn and Killer Frost and kept it at that and even used a little bit of the, uh, the, the Avatar stuff in the beginning to kind of focus on her powers, but then nothing but Killer Frost for the rest of the episode, this episode would have got a legend. Well, the funny thing is that whole moment that we're talking about at great lengths was the stinger at the end of the episode. Like, we're talking about that more than the actual episode itself, but it's a shame that something that small can really have that much of an impact. Yeah, exactly. Um, I had one other point that I was going to to bring up, and now I can't remember what it was. So uh, that's all right. I, hopefully, it'll come back to me as we're as we're um as we're talking about this. But yeah, I think one of the reasons why they did the stinger now was because obviously next week is going to be invasion. So I don't think we're getting any of the main storyline in next week's episode. I think they're fo- purely focusing on this invasion storyline. And then with one episode following that, they kind of had to do the reveal now because they're going to – they probably have plans to use that before the midseason finale. Right. So – and the midseason finale, I do know we are getting a return of Jay Garrick. Mm-hmm. We are. So – which which is going to be kind of awesome. Um, I think that's also Mark Hamill's episode too. I think uh, Mark is involved in that, that episode, so – is going to be more of a trickster. Uh, I, I think it may be. I know there's been a lot of photos of him with purple hair holding a Tommy gun. 
looking very almost Joker esque, but um, but still, we know we're going to be seeing the trickster from uh, Jay's Earth um, in one of the upcoming episodes. So that could very well be that one, but I'm not quite sure yet. Uh, that'd be kind of cool if we saw. Yeah, I wonder what Earth they're going to be on. If Barry would go to Jay's Earth, or I would have to imagine. If it's the mid-season finale, I can't imagine if he's going to another Earth, it would be for very long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it'll because be a very f- it'll be a short moment. I think. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Um, I'm trying to think of that main point. I know it had something to do with Savitar, and I can't remember what it was. Now, it must not have been that important. <laughs> so, um, what other things about this episode, if any? Do we really need to discuss? Well, I, I just uh, think, honestly, just watching the fracturing of Team Flash in the, this episode was – it was brutal to watch. We've gotten a lot of these really emotional scenes out of this season. Um, and Caitlin being the cause of being like, you know, telling, you know, Cisco, yeah, did you realize what happened in that, uh, that other timeline? You know, your brother was very much alive and – you know, what Barry did, this very selfish act caused all of this. And watching, I think, Caitlin being that vicious and that evil uh, was, it was, it, for one, it was fun to watch, but just watching how she was able to dismantle everybody mentally, I think, was actually, like I said, it was very impressive to watch. Uh, yeah. And again, as you mentioned, Carlos Valdez, him and, and you know, um, Barry, you know, like seeing Cisco and Barry have that moment of them kind of being on edge. And I'm really happy they did get back to that storyline because that has been something that's been lingering since episode two. Um, so I'm really looking forward to seeing how that does indeed play out. And you know everything before the end of the day uh, and before the end of the season wraps up that things will will be patched up with these characters. I mean, the show has always been about the heart of these characters, and I don't think they're going to keep things shaky for way too long. I think everything will come back full circle. You even saw that with Caitlin by the end of the episode. It was Barry trying to push her over the edge after they had her locked up in the pipeline, kind of saying, hey, look, I'm going to let you out. We need your help to save Wally. Wally is in in his you know, little cocoon right now from uh, from alchemy as he's getting his powers. But when he comes out of this, somebody's going to need to be there. And we need Caitlin. We need not Killer Frost. We need Caitlin to be there. And um, him goading her on to kill him. Uh, that was such a good, strong, powerful scene between the two of them. I think that I was, loved that. That moment. was the best scene in this entire episode, hands down. Um, yeah, and I mean, there was a ton of those great moments, but this one was such a great, powerful moment. But it I, was one of those. It, it was one of those things too. And I, I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh you, no, but, you're fine. Um, again, going into the whole, you know, the team is fractured, but it's it will improve. Like the heart of the characters are still there. Like there was that moment where. Caitlin is, you know, Caitlin and Barry are face to face and Bar- Barry says, you know, you have to kill me. If you want to go, you have to kill me. And Iris is like, wait a minute, uh, you know, hold on a second. And Cisco, even though he doesn't, he's not very favorable of Barry at this moment, he still, and now this could be read one of two ways because he does say, wait a minute, let this play out. This could be read as in, he still trusts Barry to do the right thing or let Caitlin kill Barry. This could be read one of these two ways. It I depends think, I, on the way you look at it. I look at it as in Cisco still trusts Barry. I think like, so too. I think, I mean, you even saw that because if he didn't, there was that moment at the end where, where Barry and 
goes to see Cisco. He's like, are we going to be okay? If Cisco didn't believe it, he'd be like, no. But he said, I don't know. Um, and I think that that shows that there is hope for everything to to come full circle. And I think one of the biggest things about this episode that they brought up was that hope hope thread. Um, that's something that's just intrinsic to Barry's character. And I think it's intrinsic to the show. There is always hope, no matter what the odds are against them. And I think everything will be fine because these characters are going to be forced to work together. You know, this was still hovering over these characters the last several weeks. And we saw Cisco and Barry function together fine. Um, and, you know, there was an episode or two when we saw HR staying with Cisco that, uh, you know, that was you were we were wondering, is he really just at odds with Barry? And they're like, nope, it had to do everything to do with HR. But it met, met, like made you question that. I mean, as we know right now, technically, Barry is still living with Cisco. So maybe we'll dive into that a little bit. We might see that play out. But I think we're going to get a lot of strong scenes between um, Grant Gustin and Carlos Valdez together, uh, hopefully over the next several episodes. So, Yeah, Uh, I'll wrap up with this. I I will say one of the things I was very pleased with, and this is something that's more uh, a long running course rather than something that focused just on this episode, but... We've known for a while, obviously, when we saw that Caitlin was Killer Frost in, in, in you know, in another Earth. Uh, you know, it's always been wondered whether or not she was going to become Killer Frost, and you know, on Earth Prime. We're now getting the realization that 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 is happening, and I'm liking. I, I have to say that over the course of this run, with everything that they've been hinting at, and you know, with seeing her powers gradually start to develop and everything. I think that the writers have handled it beautifully. It wasn't just like a flip of a switch and it just suddenly happened. It was a subtle change that happened into it. And we now know that everything on different Earths happens different ways. And we see her getting these abilities and they yes, they do make her evil. But unlike on Earth 2, she has a support team, which is what is helping her to get through it. The powers are still there. She has to wear the, you know, the... the dampening cuffs to keep the powers under control now but she still has a support team so i like the way that the whole killer frost thing has been handled and it's and iris does touch on it this way too is barry can't blame himself that flashpoint is the one that caused this because she was she could have been hit at you know with by uh, you know, the radiation that caused it. She could have developed into Killer Frost either way. Yeah, it's just the particle accelerator being there. I mean, like, we saw, you know, Cisco get his powers a lot later into the mix. It, it seems like it's affecting everybody at a different time, which I love that, that that's still there. This entire city was hit by this. So it gives them, a, like, like as a not only the people in the team a, the chance to have abilities if they see it, you know, necessary, but this gives them all, like, as we always mentioned, like this nonstop ability to constantly bring in villains and new heroes any way they want to. And it was such a great kind of MacGuffin to make this work, but it's wor- it does work. Um, yes. But I love that they brought that idea in there and that, you know, Iris really was his rock through all this. And I love that they're really focusing on that idea. It's working really well. Um, Candace Patton, I think has, like I said, I think out of all the characters in the show has grown the most as an actor uh, since this show has begun. And the more and more that they have those moments between Barry and Iris, it's you love seeing them play out Uh, where we've seen a lot less of Joe and Barry this season. That's kind of being replaced by Iris and and Barry. Like they're having these beautiful heart to heart moments. 
Um, and it's been great. It's been great to watch. But I think one of the things you might be thinking about, too, that you were stuck on as far as your idea of the other Savitar thing was him having massive plans for Killer Frost. Um, that was brought up by one of uh, his acolytes when Caitlin's, you know, trying to uh, get information of where alchemy is to try to find a way to shut her powers down. Uh, and the fact that they knew who she was already. So I'm really wondering now, as we had that discussion in our friend TJ, who's been on the show, kind of saying, what if Killer Frost really is the big bad of this season? Yeah. And like I said, we're early on enough in the season to be getting all these major revelations about characters this early on does seem a little odd. Uh, The fact that Julian would be unmasked this or Alchemy would be unmasked this early in the season with well more than half the season to go. uh, It makes you wonder, is it going to be... You know, he'll be out of the mix, and then it's going to be Savitar and Killer Frost, which could be cool. It could be a really cool way to go. Um, and it's something that's the whole idea of shaking this team to its core a little bit. So uh, it's a big wait and see. But we also got to see Wally get his powers this week, which was really awesome, which, like, yes. we almost completely skipped over that. Um, I mean, we, we only got it really quick at the end with the we got to see him in the speed lab at the end of the episode and. Really just being giddy. But I love the fact that they brought up that, you know, Wally is faster than Barry, which has always been true in the books. And it was funny because my wife was watching it. She's like, I don't like that. I don't like the fact that Wally is faster. <laughs> well, here, here's my thing about that. And this is I do. I remember the point I was going to make on Savitar earlier on. And, and that's not it. Uh, what you mentioned was not it. But I will say this. I really think they need to change the opening of the show where he says, I am the fastest man alive. Mm-hmm. He hasn't been since the beginning of this show. <laughs> Reverse Flash was faster than him. Zoom was faster than him. Savitar and Wally are faster than him. He has never been the fastest man alive since this show has started. It would be stop it. It would be kind of cool if you did get to a point where Wally's in costume and it's the two of them running and it's them as we are the Flash. You know, yes, that would be kind of neat too. But here is the point I was going to make on Savitar, and I'll, I'll end the discussion with this, and then we'll move on to news and recommendations. Um, this was brought up on Thanksgiving because I was with some other people that do watch the show. And one of them made a very good point, and I think this is a point that we've all been thinking and we just never talked about. Season one, you had the reverse Flash. Season two, you had Jay Garrick slash Zoom, or Hunter's Element slash Zoom. This season, we have Savitar. We're getting speedsters that are faster and faster. We're getting, and we've had speedsters as villains throughout the course of this show. When you get to the god of speed, where do you go from here as far as speedsters are concerned? And we've had three seasons of the show, and we've had speedsters speedsters as big bads. I think we're getting a little tired of the speedster villain. Oh, yeah. I think we we even brought this up last week that they need to move forward. Uh, Yeah, the rogues have to be the next step. Uh, the the only couple other people I can think that they are, they're going to bring in speedster-wise, I mean, there's only a handful of them left. I mean, there's the new villain in the comics now, which is Godspeed. Um, then there is, you know, they can always bring in Max Mercury. Not really a villain, you know, uh, just another speedster. But, I mean, it's what do they do next? And I really, really hope that they start focusing on getting those rogues to team up and just being the Thorn and Barry side. I would love yeah. to see that. Give us that. Get us to the point where we have the Flash Museum. All these little things. It's time to move past this idea. Um, but I, I think that's the tricky part. Like, you even look at Supergirl. They're using Superman villains because Supergirl's rogues that she has are 
you know, just DC villains. I, I think the smarter thing is just to start bringing in DC villains as a whole for him to deal with. Um, and maybe having some of these other ones that he's already dealt with coming back in big, bad ways and having these team ups to take him down, um, which I think is probably where the show's going to get to. But yeah, they do need to move past the idea. But I mean, right now I'm still fine because everything that is happening around it, same way we talked about Supergirl season one, um, the characters and the journey are the, you know, the, the most important part, the villains can make or break a season. But I mean, like when we even reviewed legends of tomorrow, uh, we still walked away from that show, loving the show. And it wasn't because of Vandal Savage. Um, and as long as they can keep this quality up, as far as the interactions, the show is still going to be fine. It's not going to be season one level, season two level, but as long as the interactions are stronger and the stories they're telling are better and better every week, I think the show still will be fine. But yeah, next season, they're going to have to shake the formula. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, cool. So obviously next week we will have ex- – well, we will have the uh, four-part crossover uh, starting at the end of Supergirl leading into Flash, Arrow, and Legends of Tomorrow, which is going to be – at least I know we're both hoping is going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully a special guest joining us next week. Uh, we're still trying to tie one of a couple people down to, to help us out with the, the invasion crossover talk. Uh, so hopefully once it's tied down, we will post on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash DC primetime. And in the meantime, we'd love to hear you guys' opinions on these three episodes as well. Let us know what you thought. Let us know if you agree or disagree with anything that we say as always. Um, but let's move on to the uh, DC Essentials and go into the news and recommendations, and I'll throw it over to you for the news. Well, before we do that, uh, actually, one thing we didn't remember to bring up with Flash is Barry's no longer a CSI. That was kind of a oh, big yeah, point. Oh, yeah, yeah. Big point. But I loved – I got to say this because even though it's a small point, um, him walking out of the uh, – you know, the, the department with the flash of lightning happening in the sky above him, uh, I was just like, that's an awesome touch, so – um, but yeah, as far as I, th- I think that's something that'll change. Yeah, I think he'll be back in the office. Oh, again. guarantee he'll be back. In um, the before we do news, let's go into uh, Telltale, though. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, I forgot we were because, gonna talk about that a little well, bit. Real quick, why don't you bring up what your thoughts were of episode three? Okay, so uh, episode three I played through last night and I enjoyed the runtime. It was probably about like an hour and 15, hour and 20 minutes, I think, when I timed it out, right? Uh, I loved the fight scene in the train depot i thought that scene was a lot of fun however i will say as far as the children of gotham i totally oh the children, spoiler oh, the children of arkham children of arkham. what did i say gotham mm-hmm. yeah children of arkham um and i think i even mentioned this in episode two when we were discussing episode two uh so spoiler alert if you have not played it yet um i i knew whoever that person was was a female mm-hmm I can. I just knew by the body type and the movements of the character that it was a female character. Uh, I did not know when they revealed who it is that was who it was going to be, but I did know it was a female. Yeah. So was not a huge surprise, but I was a little thrown by when I found out who it was. Um, I don't think there was anything hugely revealed other than that in the episode, but I th- I still think it was a fun playthrough. I'm looking through forward into. Uh, do an episode four. Yeah, the Bruce Selina stuff, I think, was kind of a highlight of that episode. Um, yeah, yeah. And so I have to ask, uh, did you or did you not spend the night with Selina? I totally did. 
So did I. Okay. I think, I think, I think like, I think when I played it, I think like 91.5% of other people spent the night with Selena because yeah. duh. Yeah. It's also too, it's, it's those characters. It's, it's, yeah, they have that very torrid relationship with, with each other. And, you know, it, it was fun to see them have that in there. Um, now, as far as episode four, um, I'm, as far as scoring it, I'm going to give it uh, a very low hero, but not for the story. Um, the story uh, was fantastic. Um, Telltale has always had some issues with their games. Uh, if honestly, actually, you know what? I'm not even going to give it a hero. I'm going to give it a sidekick because Ooh. they normally spend a lot of time in between episode releases. And this one came out very fast after episode three. I mean, like we've been getting an episode a month, which has been great to see. Uh, but they really need to work on their, their you know quality assurance on things. During my playthrough of an hour and a half uh, runtime, I had four entire game crashes where the game crashed to the PS4 front end. I don't know if the same thing will happen on Xbox or PC. I've been reading some reports that there's been a lot of issues on this episode for many people. Um, and again, I'm playing on PS4 Pro, so I do not know if that has anything to do with it. But I've had to I had there was one sequence that was a detective sequence that I had to do from scratch two times, which was really irritating, uh, where the game would just freeze. It would go to the blue screen back to the PS4 front end and say, do you want to report this problem, Um, which was really irritating very quickly. Another time that happened during a major fight sequence in the game. Uh, and then again, another time in that same fight sequence, the icons to move your cursor to do anything didn't exist. So really, really irritating um, and really got in the flow of some really awesome moments, uh, especially when you have to do them two times in a row. Um, so, yeah, really not very happy with Telltale and uh, then paying attention to bug fixes and glitches that they needed to deal with. I'm wondering if this had anything to do with the holiday. Nobody was paying attention uh, there has not been any patches on it yet, so be very much in mind um, as far as uh, potential issues that could come up. There's a lot of lip syncing issues in this episode too, where there was dialogue happening and the characters were still, and then all of a sudden would you would start seeing the mouth flaps happen afterwards. So it felt like you're watching a really bad dubbed film from you know overseas. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I mean, as far as I think normally the stuff that a lot of people complain with Telltale is frame rate issues and things kind of the animations being looking very janky. But, uh, yeah, the glitches really got in the way this time. And the uh, first time I've seen this from Telltale in quite some time, I think the last time I've seen this was, uh, you know, A Wolf Among Us and a little bit in Walking Dead Season 1. But, yeah, so uh, be very aware. Episode 4, from what I've seen, and not just me, has been very glitchy. So you may want to give it a week or two before you play that if you haven't yet. Uh, okay. Story wise, though, uh, we got to see a lot more characters from the Batman universe. Um, especially if you played episode three, you know where Bruce ends up in the beginning of this episode. Um, a couple characters people will probably have been longing to see. And obviously, this is the first time he's seen some of these people. So it was kind of cool. Um, there was not a lot of major moments that made you have to really choose heavy handed moments of where the story is going to go. Really felt like there was only one huge one at the very end of the episode, but not even that huge versus the stuff we've seen in like episode one, two and three. Um, so good story development, good movement, but uh, very buggy uh, and not quite as heavy as far as some of the decisions you have to make. But 
good detective scenes uh, and good fight sequences, though. So. All right, cool. Uh, yeah, and I know if if I know a couple of our listeners have mentioned on the Facebook page that they have recently picked up the game uh, because there's a bunch of deals out there. I know Xbox is offering a deal on it right now through the Microsoft Store. Uh, and with this being the Christmas season, I'm sure over the course of the next couple weeks between now and the holiday, you'll find a bunch of deals both on PlayStation and PC for this for the game as well. Yeah. So I if think... you're interested in picking it up, uh, keep an eye out. I'm sure you'll be able to pick it up pretty cheap. Yeah, I, I know PlayStation's got it on sale right now this weekend too, which was really. Uh... It was a dirt cheap. It was more than half price. So yeah, I, th- uh, I think Xbox is the same way. I, I think it was uh, nine ninety nine or something like that for the full season. So yeah, yeah. So yeah, just keep an eye out. I'm sure you'll be able to pick it up at a at a good price. Yeah, at a good clip. Uh cool. Now I'll turn it over to you once again <laughs> uh, for the news. Okay, so um, we're just gonna kind of blast this. I think I have this in the best order I can. But we're gonna start with the film universe. Uh, the first thing being that we mentioned last week that there was a potentially a Green Lantern joining uh, for Justice League. And I know uh, we uh, kind of discussed which ones we thought we might see. And uh, there's some things now reporting that Andre Gordon from uh, Modern Family may indeed be playing Jon Stewart. Uh, there was a shot on his Twitter account of putting a shot of the Justice League uh, animated series. Uh, John Gordon, up, or, or not John Gordon, uh, John Stewart. Uh, on his page. So uh, kind of curious to see where that's going to go. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that we do see Stuart uh, as much as I love Hal. I think it would be nice to see a nice blend and mix of characters. So uh, the second character apparently rumored to join the DC Extended Universe. There were some nods about it last week, but not a lot to go on. But it sounds like John Cleese of Monty Python fame may indeed be indeed joining and the reason that we're seeing this is there was rumblings last week, but this week alone we saw his Twitter account now following the Justice League film production and Ben Affleck. So everybody is now wondering how exactly this is going to go uh, or even what character he may be playing. But uh, I think having John Cleese in the mix can only be good things. So I can't wait to see what role he's playing if he is indeed playing a role. Yeah. Uh, now heading over to the TV universe, like I said, a lot of the news is a little bit on the smaller, slower side this week. Uh, there is another extended trailer for the invasion crossover. So uh, if you have a second, go check that out. You can find that on comicbook.com or comicbookmovie.com. I'm sure there's a couple other ones out there. You can always just punch that on YouTube, but there is, like I said, a good full extended trailer now, which I think you said what is clocks in a little over two minutes. Uh, yeah, I think it's about two minutes and 20 seconds, okay. I think. Yeah, there's several out there, so just look for the one with the longest runtime. You will indeed find it. Um, as far as uh, going into Arrow Universe really quickly, uh, Stephen Amell did give an update as far as his discussion to wanting to be involved in American Ninja Warrior. It sounds like there have been some discussions happening, and they have reached out to do the show. He's now trying to figure out uh, his responsibilities as being head of a t- TV show and some of his side businesses and family time to see if this is going to be something he is going to pursue. But it sounds like the offer is now out there if he does indeed want to take on this challenge, which I would think would be awesome, and I would love to see if they could get a chance to do this. So, uh, uh, Also in Arrow Universe, uh, Echo Calm talks a little bit about Mr. Terrific's journey through Arrow, uh, especially its mid-season finale, which he kind of simply puts as being very epic but uh, a lot of fallout that is going to come into play for Curtis. I think that's the one character I think me and Ben both have agreed that has the most growth to do as far as Team Arrow currently. He's been a great addition to the character, but every time he's been involved in fighting, he seems to be the odd man out. So uh, it sounds like from what he said, is one of the quick notes was, I think there's going to be something that's unavoidable for Curtis and his husband to deal with. 
at the point where Prometheus actually does that. You're going to see where they are and what they decide to do from there and where Curtis decides to go from there in terms of if he can be a functional member of the team and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, it's a lot of wait and see. But, again, it sounds like this will be happening the week after the crossover uh, where I think we heard that Prometheus is putting Curtis in the crosshairs. So, um, going over to Legends of Tomorrow, uh, our original idea and thoughts that Rip Hunter will be coming back during the midseason finale Sounds like it's more and more true. Uh, according to uh, Macy Richard Sellers, who plays Vixen on the show, Rip Hunter will be back, but it, it doesn't sound like it may very well be Arthur Darvel is the person coming back. Um, and it sounds like there's going to be a big kind of twist in the mix of all of this and what the how I guess the second half of the season is going to play out. Um, now, this is not stating that this is definitely true, that it may not be Arthur Darvel, uh, but they could definitely mix around with this as far as the whole idea of time travel so very curious but it sounds like he is going to be a major proponent for what's going to happen in the next part of the season yep uh, and that's what i've been saying for a while is i think that's that's pretty much what's going to happen mm-hmm. so uh jumping over into gotham which we normally don't have a lot of uh, news stories that come out there but it sounds like it's going to be kind of awesome but ben mckenzie is going to be uh, actually directing uh, at least a couple sequences in the upcoming episode uh, I think he's actually directing, um, uh, yeah, it's uh, the introduction of another Gordon family member. Uh, most likely that nod to that ring we saw with the Court of Owls. And it sounds like we now know also, in indeed, who the actor was going to be. That being Dra- uh, James Remar, who has recently been on the Shannara Chronicles. Everybody has seen him in numerous roles over the years. Um, but I'll be very much looking forward to seeing him join the cast, and he'll be indeed playing... Uh, uh, Frank Gordon, which is an estranged uncle of James, uh, James. So my guess is he'll be a member of the court. Uh, and jumping over really quick to the video game world, that sounds like Warner Brothers may have just leaked the next two games they're working on in the DC universe. One of them being a Suicide Squad game, which sounds like it will be a brawler-style game, more than likely using the combat engine from... Uh, the Arkham series, which is, as many people know, to be kind of a lot of fun, but it is going to be a co-op game. Uh, they said there's numerous characters to choose from, but it also seems like you may be able to create your own as well. And uh, there's a lot of rumblings that it's going to be very Borderlands-esque, so maybe kind of somewhat of an open world. Uh, and the target release is 2017, and this is going to be coming from Warner Brothers Montreal, which the last game that they did indeed make, I believe, was Batman Arkham Origins, which I know a lot of people did say they felt was the lesser of the games which was uh the main series being uh uh not warner brothers montreal but rocksteady but it sounds like rocksteady and them are working on this in tandem um not only that though a second batman game this very much being kind of almost batman be uh beyond-esque this being uh 10 years in the future from now but the game focusing on Damian Wayne as a older character. So it sounds like somebody maybe closer into their being 20 years old. They mentioned that Bruce is old, has a beard, harness on his leg, uses a walking stick, very similar to Batman Beyond. Um, and he's mentor- mentoring Damian to become the next Batman. Um, so it sounds like there's going to be a lot of villains being redesigned. Uh, you know, it sounds like Dick is going to be in the game still. So we will be hopefully seeing Nightwing in the mix somewhere. And some of the villains um, mentioned in the mix are the Flamingo, the White Rabbit, and Poison Ivy. I'm very curious, especially if you've played Arkham uh, Arkham Knight, where we did see the death of Poison Ivy in that game. So I'm wondering how this fits into the mix. 
But it sounds like this may also another Warner Brothers Montreal, but there is no expected date on this. But it was greenlit last summer. So um, that's and I think that's the one I'm probably looking forward to the most. Yes, between those two games, indeed. Uh, and uh, going over again to the you know back to the TV universe really quick. Uh, more side, uh, more so on the animation side. If you haven't got a chance, there is a new uh, little uh, tag and video promo for Justice League action, which we do see. Um, both Mark Hamill reprise his role of the Joker and Kevin Conroy coming back as Batman. Um, from more and more of what I've seen of this show, the more and more it looks like a lot of fun. The animation is very super stylized, uh, has a little bit more look to Teen Titans Go kind of esque style, uh, not quite as SD. But this is kind of this nice blend between the animation show, The Batman, uh, Brave and the Bold. It's kind of a nice weird connection of the two of them as far as everybody looking very angular uh, and very, very hyper stylized. But uh, it's the show is looking like it's going to be something very fun and very different. And um, if you get a chance to, I will post this up on Facebook because it's a lot to read here is uh, there is a little bit more about Justice League Dark and the reasons on why it did get its R rating. And I'll get that posted over on Facebook. Actually, I will do that as we speak so you guys can get a chance to read that later on today. And uh, that that does it for news. Cool. Uh, So we can do our recommendations then, and then we can can hit the road and and, uh, prepare ourselves for invasion this week. Uh, but I'll, st- I'll kick things off with my recommendation first this week. Obviously, we got a big focus on Killer Frost this week in The Flash. So my recommendation is DC Comics The Fury of Firestorm number 19, uh, in which was indeed the uh, first appearance of the current iteration of Killer Frost, or at least the Caitlin Snow version of Killer Frost that we know from the show. Okay, and for me, as my big thing is obviously just to read Invasion as well. So, uh, which is there's only three issues of it. So go out over on Comicsology is the best place to grab that. Um, and just uh, yeah, just being prepared to uh, dive into the big story. And I think it'll just be a little bit fun of getting a chance to reading this again before the crossovers and seeing where everything correlates. Yeah, and I, I had a feeling that was the one you were going to do, so that's why I didn't do it. <laughs> it would have been weird, though, if you didn't do it and neither one of us recommend, <laughs> recommended Invasion before the Invasion four-part crossover. Yeah, so. well, I think I brought it up before in the past, but I think it makes a lot more sense to bring it back up in this week. Yeah, so. yeah exactly. Uh, so, as we had mentioned, uh, next week we will be talking the four-part crossover in addition to the Gotham season or mid-season finale. Uh, so I'm just going to put this out there right now. Expect a longer show. Yes. Um, it, it's most likely going to happen. Oh, that's the news story we missed, actually, in the, all of this is. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> it sounds like the episodes are all going to be like, what, anywhere from 30 seconds to almost a minute longer each um, for uh, almost every episode. So, yeah. Yeah, which is which is pretty, pretty cool. Yes. So. Uh, hopefully we will have, as we mentioned before, a special guest joining us next week. We are not sure who it's going to be yet. We're still trying to tie some things down. Uh, we have it narrowed down, so, um, we know it's, it's going to be hopefully one of two, if not three people. So, um, keep an eye on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash DC primetime for the announcement of that. And 
Um, audio and video of the first Arrow panel that I did at Heroes and Villains is done, but we will be saving that for when we take the or for when the shows go on break. We will put the uh, the audio up as the first podcast uh, during the breaks. And as Rob mentioned last week too, we'll we'll still hop on and do some news and things like that. We'll keep you updated with news and then go into the audio of the panels and such. But yeah, God, there's plenty of stuff out of Heroes and Villains. That will be coming your way while the shows are on break. So we'll still be putting out a weekly podcast with some great stuff. And um, so it's not like we, we're we taking a break either. Well, we're technically taking a break, but we're still recording blurbs. Yeah, like new news stories and little intro, outro kind of stuff. But that's about it. Yes. I think the only... I think the only issues are going to be Christmas and New Year's actually happen to fall on Sunday this year. Um, so we may end up recording a day or two early yeah, or think, a day late. I think, I think early might be the better bet is uh, recording like maybe on a Saturday morning like the day before just to uh, have everything ready. And then the episodes will be up on Christmas more than likely. So Yeah, yeah, most likely Christmas and New Year's Day we'll, we'll post them because we usually post them on Mondays, but uh, maybe those two days we'll post them on Sundays and – uh, this way, you got something to listen to while you're opening presents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, because you'll be listening. You'll be listening to panels and stuff out of Heroes and Villains, but still, it- it's a present. It's a present that Ben had to fly out there for. So, <laughs> yes, it's a gift unto you from <laughs> us. Uh, and Heroes and Villains Chicago is coming up in March, so we'll be getting. Hopefully, if I get the invite to that, then we'll be getting even more stuff coming out of there, man. So, making this connection with Heroes and Villains Fan Fest is going to prove very fortuitous to the podcast indeed so uh but cheap plugs before we get out of here and then we'll wrap things up uh as we mentioned of course check out the facebook page facebook.com slash dc primetime be sure to post and comment uh you know as much as possible again we apologize for the the lack of it over the past uh week due to the thanksgiving holiday but We'll be back to it this week, so feel free to post, comment, and share your thoughts on there, uh, as well as the other podcasts on the Next Level Podcast Network, nextlevelradioonline.com, including the Showcast Spotlight, which features celebrity interviews that I'm also a part of. And you can always find me as well at nextlevelradioonline.com for the caffeine crew. I know Ben's getting a lot of the stuff up, hopefully, I think you said today. Um, or- By the time you are hearing this podcast, most of, if not all of it, will be online. Awesome. So yeah, you'll be able to check out all that stuff there. We're recording uh, tomorrow night uh, with uh, for the next episode, which will be our Thanksgiving episode. Uh, but yeah, definitely give it a chance to check that out. That'll probably be up before our week's end. Um, so probably right before December December one. So I'll be knocking that uh, that out fairly quickly and getting that to Ben to uh, get online. But yeah, uh, cool. Um, you want to do your special thanks to the guy oh, we always thank? Oh, yeah. And uh, uh, always <laughs> a special thanks to George Shaw at George Shaw Music. Uh, we thank him each and every week for his intro and outro tunes. Sorry, I was sending a message to our potential guest for next week again and following up on that. So um, did did he reply? Not yet. So, OK, uh, I was just another message just to say that uh, as soon as he knows, uh, it's very important. <laughs> gotcha. OK. Yeah, because I have to. If he cannot do it, I have to reach out to our second, uh, second guy too. I got to give him a little bit of time, mm-hmm. so to to figure it out and fit it into his schedule. Um, but cool. As always, we welcome you listening to the podcast. We thank you for listening, and of course, encourage you to share the podcast with your friends. Of course, if they are uh, fans of these DC shows as well. But next week, man, I cannot wait to talk Invasion with all of you guys, and we cannot hear. We cannot wait to hear your thoughts. 
on Invasion as well. Uh, as the course of the week goes, we mentioned we, we may be binging these episodes. So if you post on the Facebook page anything about pertaining to Invasion, uh, as always, please keep things spoiler-free on the Facebook page until you hear the podcast. And then spoilers a go-go. Uh, you can spoil whatever you want. But even for our sakes this time, since I'd be saving them and watching them all at the same time. Don't spoil anything for us. Yeah, so give us give us till Friday night. Give us till Friday night. So That's fair. But That's if, fair. if you've got your lines, definitely keep them held. But you can start posting your stuff Friday night as far as what you thought. And even if you just you get the chance to watch it and you love it, just be like, holy crap, that was amazing. Um, oh yeah, feel free to post yeah. like you know, like sidekick hero or legend. That that's great because that just make us more antsy to watch them. Oh yeah, most definitely. So, but yeah, we can't wait for next week, man. It's gonna be awesome. So, or we at least hope it's gonna be awesome. It's a wait. Fingers across, man. Yeah. Uh, but thank you again for listening. Until next week, we will see you guys around the bend. Take care. Peace.